Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode 11, The Sweetest Thing. Created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Story by Rick Butler. Teleplay by Rick Butler and Roy Sallows. Directed by David Winning. Original air date, January 16th, 1989. Hi, this is Vicki on my own again. I know I keep promising Kim will come back, and she will. Earlier on, we didn't realize it was going to be this long. And pretty much by the time you're listening to this, she's probably back, because I am recording, it is August 12th. This probably won't be published till October. So by the time you're listening to this, she probably will be back. And actually, she probably hasn't been gone as long as it seems like. Like I said in one of the earlier episodes... I'm trying to get as many done while Strange New Worlds and Discovery is not running new episodes. So I've done more than we would have done because I'm doing it alone so I don't have to wait to schedule things with anybody else. So she hasn't been gone as long as it probably seems like at this point, but she will be back. I'm not going to promise next week, but she will be back. So thanks for sticking with us. So here we are with Season 2, Episode 11, The Sweetest Sting. So we have a couple of repeat actors in this episode. I'm reading them, but I don't know who they are yet because I haven't watched the episode yet. I'm going to watch it in pieces like I did the last time. So it's Elva May Hoover, and she plays Joanne Hendricks. And she also played Jean Flippin in the episode Dr. Jack. Jean Flippin was the mother of one of the victims who tried to kill the doctor in that episode. And then we have Jay Winston Carroll, who plays Norman Hendricks, so I'm going to imagine he's married to Joanne Hendricks in this episode, and he plays the judge in The Electrocutioner. So on a not very busy road, a man stops to buy honey from a roadside stand. The owner offers his special blend, and while giving the customer a taste, spills him on his jacket. The owner then puts his bee protective gear on and releases bees, who attacked the customer due to the honey on his jacket. After the attack, the bees fly right back into the carrier hive, whatever that is. So I was so busy looking for repeat episodes for the cast that I didn't notice just how many things I've seen this beekeeper actor Art Hindle in over the years. He's got a very long resume. But anyway, later McCabe, the beekeeper, leads an older man into a shed. The man seems confused but willing to go along with whatever is happening. He asks that his family is looked after, so I thought he was going to die willingly for some reason. But McCabe puts the man's hands, which McCabe already added honey to, in these sort of handholds. The man can't get his hands out, and I wonder why he was screaming since it seemed like he went into this willingly. But anyway, McCabe goes to the other side of the window and releases the bees onto the man's hand. When he's finished, the man is now young with a different face, and McCabe gives him a new name, Bob Tucker. I'm going to have to go back and look at the truck driver that he originally killed. Is that the face he has? I'm not sure. It doesn't look like a younger version of the older man. It looks like a totally different person to me. So basically, the bees give him immortality. What was left in his blood after the bees gave him new life goes into the next batch of honey, which is gross. And all Bob has to do to retain his immortality is to have a taste of this honey once a week. Blood my bees didn't inject into you has been carried to the hive. It's being turned into a very special honey. From now on, a weekly pick-me-up will maintain your transformation. Just a taste of honey to give you immortality. So I looked it up, and Ben, the older man, and his new persona, Bob Tucker, are in fact two different actors. 
which is what I thought. But I couldn't find a credit for the pickup truck driver, the original victim. I went back and looked, and it sure does look like the same actor who's now playing Bob Tucker. Okay, onward. So Mickey's on her own at a farmhouse looking for Dwayne Purdy about a beehive. His brother David tells her, holding her at gunpoint, that his brother's dead and he never saw a beehive, which doesn't seem likely because he seemed to know about it when she mentioned it. He kind of even seemed scared when she mentioned it. That could be my imagination. So he tells her to leave and that it's not safe around here come nightfall. So now we move over to a hospital where Mr. Hendricks is being told he has six months to live. He has a tumor. When he walks out of the hospital, we see Bob. I think it was Bob. He was kind of shadowy. I'm assuming it's Bob standing there. They look at each other, but Bob looks away like he's trying to be nonchalant, like he's pretending he's not really watching him. So Mickey calls Jack and tells him how strange the encounter with Dave was. But she's going to stay and check other bee farms. And Jack is going to have Ryan, who I didn't think we were going to see this episode since Mickey's out on her own. But he does show up in the scene. So he's going to have Ryan get Dwayne's death certificate. Ryan asks what's so special about this particular antique. Jack says that knowing how Dwayne died will help them figure out what the hive does. And he also says it's one of a kind. That end? Maybe not. Knowing how Dwayne Purdy died may give us an idea how the hive operates. At least that'll be something. What's so special about this one? You've been through your library ten times. Well, it's special because it's a rare piece. It's one of a kind. Besides, I haven't a clue what the thing does. So I suppose at this point it's pretty safe to assume that Mr. Hendricks will be the next person to gain immortality. So when Hendricks gets back to his office... He's summoned to a meeting with his boss, Mr. Marr, who tells him his position is being eliminated and he's done at the end of the week. He also tells him that he reworked the pension plan and it's now based on productivity so his 30 years count for nothing. He doesn't qualify for a pension. So I'm hoping that Mr. Marr is going to be the next bee victim. (laughs) So Ryan finds that Dwayne died from multiple bee stings over a year ago. Jack is worried that someone else has been in possession of the hive and has been using it for the past year, but Ryan says there are no other reports of death by bee. But Jack and Ryan are going to meet Mickey the following morning. Ryan doesn't see any point of going, but Jack says, you know, they have to go find out what's going on and who's using the hive and somebody must have it and blah, blah, blah. So this episode has given me flashbacks of the scene in the Cupid episode where the guy with the statue brings honey on a date. (laughs) And he pours it all over the girl he has with him. This is a good time for a flashback flash to a previous episode. But in the meantime, Eddie, who has the statue, goes to a bar. And I imagine he's going to just do a test run with the statue. And he gets the girl. She tells him she loves him. He squirts honey on her hands. <laughs> and then he fills his truck with bees to kill her. <laughs> you know... Honestly, I thought it was going to be a a bear that was going to maul her. You know, I didn't understand the honey at first. It didn't even occur to me. I was like, this guy's weird. Yeah, that would have been a good choice to a bear. But, I mean, you have to know that there's a bear there. Well, that would have made me sense. You know, the bees didn't sting him. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. He goes into the woods and he just happens to find a beehive. Mm -hmm. Um, And he carries it over to the car and none of the bees sting him. So, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's kind of the funniest way to kill somebody that I've ever seen. 
And now, back to the present. So it turns out that Bob is following Norm because he knows him. He, when he was Ben, was his best friend, his best man at his wedding, and he knew that Norm was sick. He tells him he can get him a new body and a life, too. And he says he has a new young wife, so it must be a little while in between when he got changed till now. But he leaves him with the address of McCabe the beekeeper. So now I'm I'm thinking that McCabe might really be Dwayne, the original owner of the hive, maybe. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking right now, anyway. So Norm goes to see McCabe. He has to sign over his life insurance to him, but McCabe insists that he will make sure his wife is taken care of. Right. And he can't ever see his wife again. So bells should be going off with this guy at this point, but apparently not. But anyway, Norm's wife doesn't know about his death sentence, and she also doesn't know about him losing his job. And he does seem a bit worried about the whole thing. Back at Norm's old office, Mr. Marr is getting into the elevator, and McCabe joins him. I was really only kidding when I hoped that Marr would be the next victim, but I have to say I'm glad he's going to be. McCabe puts on Ann Marr's coat and releases the bees. So, you know, we know he's dead. Bob brings Norm to McCabe's place, but McCabe wants Bob to find him a body to substitute for Norm. He tells him that if he doesn't kill someone to take Norm's place, he won't get his weekly dose of honey. So I'm a little confused at this, because where did he get the body to take Ben's place? I mean, I guess we just didn't see that part of the whole process when it happened, but I guess I never even thought about that he needed a body. McCabe does the procedure on Norm, but did we see all that blood when he changed Ben? I don't recall seeing so much blood. I thought something was going wrong. Meanwhile, Bob, who's starting to change back to his old self, picks up a guy on the side of the road who ran out of gas. Back at the beekeeper's house, Norm is now Mar. And then Bob, we don't see him actually kill the guy, but we see him dragging him into the field. And he sets up the hitchhiker's death to look like a farm equipment accident and plants Norm's wallet on him. We're not going to get into specifics about that, but what did you think about that, DC? That was the dusting! So it's just occurred to me, and this is the way I watch, I think of things randomly from four scenes ago. I said that it must have been a while between the time Ben died and Bob came to life because he said he had a young wife. But now I'm thinking, duh, because Norm is now Mar and is probably going to take over Mars life that Ben just took over the guy who was buying honey in his pickup trucks life who probably did have a young wife that didn't occur to me either before I thought this guy was just giving them new identities because he said to Norm I'll see if I can find you something in sales but it seems like right now that they're taking over the life of the victim maybe I'm wrong but that's what it's looking like to me right now I mean, I knew they were taking over their body and their face, but I thought they were just giving them a new identity and go, they were just going to go somewhere else to live or something. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. 
So we're about 20 minutes into the episode and we've hardly seen Mickey Ryan or Jack, but finally Mickey and Ryan show up at Dave's house again. And he's just as neighborly as he was the last time. But it's now very clear that he does know about the hive and he's afraid of someone who will send the bees for him or anyone who talks about the hive. We know Dwayne was stung to death. We have to find that hive before it kills anybody else. You got any sense, Sonny? You'll keep away from the damn thing. What do you mean? What happens when those bees sting people? They die. That's what happens. If you don't know what else it does, maybe you shouldn't be looking for it. Miss Purdy, please. Get out of here, boy. Bad things happen to folks who talk about that hive. He wants them to come for me. They'll come. Get out of here before he sends him for you. Who? Who's he? They get nowhere with Dave, and they leave. Jack goes to see McCabe because he's talking to any beekeeper he can find. McCabe, of course, says he's never seen the hive Jack is describing. As Jack is leaving, an aging Bob shows up asking for help and honey. Jack, of course, is suspicious. In the shed, McCabe threatens Bob about blowing the whole operation and threatens to let him revert. Bob promises to behave, and McCabe gives him his honey fix. Mickey, Ryan, and Jack meet to discuss what they've learned. Jack knows that there was something different about Bob. He was not just old. He says it looked like his body didn't match his age. Then Mickey remembers learning in school that Egyptians used honey to restore youth. Wait a second. I I remember something in school about um, Egyptians who believed that honey could restore you? Yes, of course. There were lots of cultures who believed that honey had this power to rejuvenate. Even our own health food stores sell bee pollen and uh, royal jelly as energy foods and so forth. So the hive keeps people young? Yeah, it could. I don't know. I just don't know how it works yet. So Jack decides to go back to the store to do some research while Mickey and Ryan watch McCabe. As we guessed, Norm, as Mar, telephones his wife. She doesn't really say much except that she can't talk to him at the moment. She says she'll call if she needs anything. Then we move on to Mickey and Ryan breaking into McCabe's place. Ryan finds the transformation room. I don't know what else to call it. And Mickey finds honey. They can't figure out what the transformation room is, but since it's not the hive, they leave. Mickey's going to grab some honey while Ryan goes to the loft. All the while, McCabe is searching for whoever is in the building. Mickey gets a jar to take with her, but she decides to taste it. What? That's gross! It is. Yuck. Yuck. Yuck! So McCabe, armed with bees, catches Ryan in the loft. Mickey and Ryan are able to outrun the bees until they reach the car where Mickey's overtaken. But Ryan is able to spray the swarm on her with a fire extinguisher, and they're able to get in the car and get away. They bring one of the dead bees to Jack, who says they would have drained their bodies of blood if they weren't able to stop them. So first I assume the bees were after Mickey because she ate the blood, I mean ate the honey. But if they were after both of them, Does that mean that McCabe can just send the bees after anyone and the honey isn't really what attracts them? I don't know. Kind of doesn't make sense because he always uses the honey to attract the bees to his victims. So I assume that he was using the bees to, although he did send them after Ryan before he even knew Mickey was there, I think. So if he can send them after anybody, how does he do that? And then he took his beekeeper hat off when Mickey and Ryan were driving away and the bees were all around his face. And they didn't sting him. So what's the point? Why does he put his beekeeper hat on if the bees aren't going to sting him? So the bees are full of blood. Ryan calls them vampire bees. Another thing that Jack points out is that bees usually die after stinging. But these didn't. They died only because Ryan killed them. So Jack wants to examine the honey first. But his initial thought is that the bees make honey out of blood. So Mickey's stomach must be flipping at the thought of the honey she tasted. I told you I was yucky. It was yucky. It was yucky. Mm-hmm. 
Disgusting. Disgusting! Right. Yuck. Yuck! And Ryan also mentions that the honey must be the thing that's keeping people young. But Jack and Mickey wonder why there's no reports of bee sting deaths. Most bees die when they sting. But none of these died until you killed them. What are you saying? That these bees use blood to make honey? Well, I can't really be sure until I check the sample that you got. I'd say it's a distinct possibility. Eating the honey keeps bodies of people young. It could be. I still think there's a piece of the puzzle missing. All right, like why haven't we heard about any bee-related deaths? They decide that McCabe is probably hidden in the hive by now, so they're going to visit Dave again, first thing in the morning. So in the next scene, Mrs. Hendricks calls Mr. Marr about Norm's pension. She received a letter that there was no pension. Now Norm, who was so worried about his wife and who is now living as Marr, the owner of the company, doesn't fix the pension issue first thing, really? She also tells him that she isn't getting his life insurance because he changed his beneficiary. So Marr promises to take care of the pension right away. But just as he hangs up the phone, McCabe comes in his office. He's been trying to reach Norm slash Marr. Marr wants to see his wife, but McCabe says that he cannot. McCabe wants bodies, and he wants Marr to get them. Marr's contacts will bring him wealthier people who are in need of his service. So he sends him after Mickey, Ryan, and Jack, and he won't get his honey until they're dead. But unlike Bob, Marr really doesn't seem happy with his new life, and I think he'd be more willing to just die if he doesn't kill people, because he doesn't want to kill people. But I'm going to guess that he will choose to stay alive until he gets his wife situated, or opt to stay alive to be able to continue to help his wife. So at the farm, Ryan grabs Dave's gun so that he, Mickey, and Jack can talk to him without the threat of being shot. They want to know how the hive works so they can get it and lock it away. Dave says that the bees come straight from hell, which in a way is very true. So I was half right. Dave says the bees killed his brother Dwayne and transferred his life into McCabe's body. So in his mind, McCabe is his brother Dwayne, but not in the... in the way I was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking that maybe Dwayne was the one who wanted a new body and they killed McCabe to get it. But it sounds like Dwayne was the victim, like the pickup truck driver and Mr. Marr. Dave tells him that he stages the bee deaths as accidents and Mickey remembers reading about Norm's death under a combine. Although she doesn't know who Norm is, but she remembers reading the article. Mr. Marr goes to see Mrs. Hendricks. She knows that he fired Norm. She asks him to leave. And he does. And as he does, we see McCabe in the house in the shadows. He knocks her out, and in the next scene, we see Norm going to find McCabe. We can see that he's getting old. Norm says that he just can't kill. He's not a killer, but McCabe shows him that he has his wife. So again, not exactly the way I thought it would go. I thought he would cave to the killing in order to help his wife by fixing the pension and maybe sending her money over the years since she didn't have his insurance. I didn't see a kidnapping coming. In the next scene, Mickey, Jack, and Ryan are casing out McCabe's place, and they see him with Mar, although they don't know who he is. Mickey and Ryan go to break into McCabe's place while Jack stays in the car to keep watch. Mickey has the idea to steal all the honey since McCabe needs it too. It'll force him to show them where the hive is. Now, I don't know. Did they figure that out? I mean, they know the honey keeps people alive. I guess they can assume that McCabe needs it. McCabe sees the light in the workshop. Again. Ryan takes one box to the car and leaves Mickey to fill the next one. Mickey hears moaning. Jack and Ryan see McCabe outside with a gun, and Mr. Marr slash Norm turns around and heads back to McCabe's place. Mickey finds Mrs. Hendricks, but before she can get her loose from the bee contraption, McCabe comes in. Marr arrives and heads towards the workshop. Jack and Ryan follow. Inside, McCabe is locking Mickey into the contraption. 
Norm shows up as McCabe's at the honey cabinet. He has him at gunpoint and is ready to kill him. But Ryan, as usual, comes running in yelling Mickey, which distracts Norm and McCabe is able to get the gun and knock Norm out. Jack and Ryan get Mickey and Mrs. Hendrick loose, but McCabe shows up with his bees. He lets them loose, but they run out of the cellar. McCabe goes to his honey cabinet and Norm, who is conscious again, shoots McCabe and the honey breaks. The bees attack McCabe. So Norm leaves him with the bees and catches up with his wife outside. He calls her Jojo, asks for her forgiveness, and dies. After he dies, he turns back into Norm. So now the empty hive is now locked in the vault. Mickey wonders if it was wise to have let the bees go, but Jack thinks it was the hive that made them that way, and now they're just regular bees. So I really did think we were going to have some kind of scene showing these bees going crazy in some hive somewhere, but nope. So it was never explained why or how he controlled the bees without using the honey. And then I really thought there was going to be some kind of repercussions for Mickey tasting the honey, and there wasn't that I noticed. So I have to wonder why they even showed us that. The cursed antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a transport beehive, which causes the bees to become vampires, able to transfer life force from one person to another by stinging. We did have a beehive in the warehouse episode, Queen for a Day, where Pete's ex-wife, played by Jerry Ryan, was getting married. But this hive, description from Wookie Warehouse, and I'm not going to try and pronounce it, was, the hive can manipulate people with the same pheromones that a queen bee uses to control other bees. If left unchecked, people affected by the pheromones go insane with obsession and often go to extreme and violent lengths to protect their queen. So it's not the same at all. Not even close. So I'm on the fence about this episode. Some of it didn't make sense to me. And some of it I liked. I don't like when things don't make sense. I mean, I know everything doesn't get explained, but there's a lot of things that don't get explained. So we'll see you next time, and thanks to DC for popping in a few times during this episode. You're welcome! Bye! Bye. This is Doug, reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.